Okay, parrots. Are you all perching comfortably? <coughs> then I'll begin. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled, all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mamma in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there rose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the lustre of midday to objects below. When what to my wandering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. Right, that's it, lads. I'm sorry I'm going to have to carry this on after I've done the podcast. Ah. Well, I'm sorry, but there's lots to do. This is the Christmas episode of The Desert Island Investor. This episode of the podcast is generously hosted by Progressive Equity Research. Visit their website at progressive-research.com. And good afternoon, Mark. Afternoon, Paul. I see that you're sheltering in the the grotto. It's looking very, very festive there. You just seem to have been entertaining the parrots. I was indeed, yes, reading the parrots, a bit of a Christmas poem. Well, a part of a Christmas poem. Unfortunately, I didn't get time to finish it. Yeah, they all seemed they all seemed a bit disappointed, but there you go. So anyway, uh, this is our last podcast of the year, um, our Christmas special, I suppose you could call it, and we did consider um, taking out the best bits of the previous episodes, but that, but that only ran to about three minutes, and then we considered splicing all the outtakes together, and that ran for about that ran for about eight hours. So we've decided to stay broadly to the existing format, but nevertheless cover uh, with you know some new territory. So today we are discussing another of my holdings, James Holstead, ticker symbol JHD, who are a specialist flooring company based in Bury. Now, they recently held their AGM, but unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm still out in Mauritius and I was unable to attend. But thankfully, for the very first time, I have had a a proxy represent me, uh, our very own Paul. So this is a watershed moment for me. I've now reached the exalted position where I don't even attend AGMs in person. I send one of my people. All right, very good. Uh, Well, I will be giving my thoughts on the AGM um, a little later. Uh, But as per usual, if you could, Mark, please, the base numbers. Right, the company has a a market capitalisation of 887 million, uh, a PE of 19.6 and a yield of 3.9%. And that's based on the current share price of two pounds and five pence and halfpenny. And can you give me the history of when James Halstead first listed and your holding uh, history as well, please, Mark? Yeah, well, they were founded way back in 1915, originally as a textile company and floated in 1948. 
and I first purchased in May 2016 at £4.33 and then again in August 2019 at £4.55. So this is another long-term stock, but uh, isn't one that I've added to uh, for some some time. Right, okay. Well, looking at that share price, this uh, this does look like a candidate for our new section, Mark's Morgue, uh, as you appear to be significantly underwater on this one. Yeah, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you for, in your lust for schadenfreude, Paul. Nice try. But uh, I am underwater, but not to the extent that you suggest, as back in 2021, Halstead issued bonus shares to shareholders for each share held, in effect, creating what is probably more widely known as a, a share split. A share split. So this is, uh, this is a new topic for the podcast. Can you please expand on a share split? Yeah, uh, well, either issuing bonus shares or splitting shares into multiples have in the effect the same purpose of dividing the earnings of a company between a greater number of shares. So in this case, with Holstead, you know, twice as many shares are in issue. So broadly, this results in a 50% decrease in the share price. So if nobody's any better or worse off, then where's the wisdom in doing this? Well, the rationale is that it creates greater liquidity as there are more shares in circulation. Also, it is thought that many investors psychologically find high share prices, uh, by that big numbers, off-putting. Uh, over the series, we've we've covered a number of stocks trading under a pound, but also Unilever, where the, the, uh, the shares are, are closer to £40. Now, at the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting, Warren Buffett usually has to field questions about a possible share split for their A shares. And this is probably an extreme example, but a good one. Berkshire Hathaway A shares are trading at $555,000 each. So just purchasing one share uh, is out of the reach of most private shareholders, especially beginners. Yes, that is quite steep, isn't it? Um, Halstead is a flooring company, uh, and there are different types of floor covering, carpet, wood, laminate. What exactly is the, the Halstead product? Their first move into flooring was a rubber-based carpet for car interiors, but in the 1950s, they developed PVC flooring, which is marketed as polyfloor. And this was progressively replacing linoleum, lino or, or oilcloth, which is manufactured from solidified linseed oil, sawdust, resin and jute. Uh, do you remember lino, Paul? Uh, I'm sorry, Mark, I am not familiar with the composition of the flooring that I crawled around on as an infant. Yeah. Now, PVC has a, a number of advantages. It's highly durable and it's fire resistant, unlike lino. And this must have been a big sales advantage back in the day when most properties had open fires. Then there are other properties, anti-slip, for obvious reasons, electrical. Now, some environments are vulnerable to an electric charge. I once had a customer who sold uh, vehicle batteries and people in the warehouse had to wear special boots as after circling a pallet with pallet wrap uh, a number of times, they didn't want it exploding. Uh, also abrasion resistant. Uh, you don't want that stone in your shoe damaging the floor on day one. And hygiene. Uh, hospitals want something that is not a horse for infection. So now in the modern world, we, we focus daily on anything derived from petrochemicals. You uh, have some experience in this in this field, Paul. Do you think that the war on, let's, let's clumsily call it plastics, will contain itself to the world of single use, or will this expand to to where it is a more permanent use. Uh, Lino, by comparison, is made from natural ingredients, but it's highly combustible. Sometimes plastics are made 
sometimes plastics are simply the best solution depending on the application. It may be an inconvenient truth, but the truth nonetheless. Where do you stand on in the trade-off of advantages of plastics over other products, Paul? I think most people would agree that plastic has been pretty much at the root of numerous advancements in in a modern civilization. I mean, there, there are very few things that don't include some oil-based plastic components. So the search for alternative materials that you mentioned isn't really driven by the inability of plastic to do the job. It's it's due to concerns about plastic waste. And, and of course, in a life cycle impact analysis, then plastic scores uh, badly in the category of fossil fuel depletion. Yeah. Now, James Alstead are doing their bit. They're involved in a scheme called RecoFloor, which involves the collection of old vinyl flooring to be recycled. Suitable material is processed back into flooring with the remainder going into to traffic cones. I think that's what you would call downcycling, Paul. Yeah. Now, I, I, I've read that PVC can be recycled six to seven times, but recycling doesn't often occur in perpetuity. There's degradation over time. Each each time paper is recycled, the fibres become shorter, so you acquire virgin fibre to make a product fit for purpose. Have you any? I know you've got some considerable experience in the recycling loop, Paul. Any, any particular thoughts? Well, my, my experience was with um, plastic packaging, uh, which has a, a completely different set of problems compared to durables regarding recycling. Uh, the biggest problem being that the recycling industry has for decades found it more profitable to export our recyclable packaging waste than to actually recycle it. I mean, they'll claim now that there's more investment in domestic recycling infrastructure, but it's only because most destination countries have closed the door to the easy route. So if, if waste from durable, durable plastics like flooring or, or PVC doors and windows is, is actually being reprocessed, uh, that, that's a, a good a good start. Yeah. Right. Well, after the last episode where we covered Somero Enterprises, uh, one of our loyal followers, Declan Hughes, commented humorously on us not covering glamour stocks. Um, you know, we've covered some businesses that you may think are boring products. Uh, you could say the same of Halstead. They produce PVC flooring. Now, sometimes for investors, boring is best. Now, perhaps to counteract this dowdy image, in every annual report, Halstead trot out some of the locations where their product has been used. And there are several references throughout the report. Now, some of these are the, the Media Centre for Paris in 2024, uh, 2024 Olympics, uh, the Castle Rock, Farm, Castle Rock Farm in British Columbia, the Centre for Autism Research, at King Faisal's Specialist Hospital and Research Centre in Riyadh, um, one of the best hospitals in, in Mexico, the Medica Sur, uh, the giant flagship store in Dusseldorf, which is one of the largest manufacturers of high-end bicycles, and then the new headquarters of Deloitte in Milan, which is an NZEB, nearly zero energy building. Uh, there's also the Van der Valk Hotel in Sneek, Netherlands, uh, the Hospital de Bolza in Bogota, Colombia, the Ford factory in Cologne, the Ostec soccer arena in Guernsey. And then on their, their website, um, they also have things like the Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas cruise ship, uh, some carriages on the Machu Picchu railway in Peru, Melbourne cricket ground, and even the Scots um, base in Antarctica. Uh, it's a bit like a Wicker's World series rolled into one episode. So, Paul, as, as a marketing man, what's your verdict on the job Halstead have done in glamorising PVC flooring? 
Yeah, well, um, yeah, the quality of their marketing is indeed excellent. And uh, of course, if I was going to um, do my Scott of the Antarctic bit, I'd certainly want a decent floor, um, you know, in my hut when I got there. Yeah. Now, one thing I, I do like is straight talking. Too often, people necessarily complicate the message. This is often a tactic of obfuscation. Now, I'll read you the opening paragraph of the CEO's uh, review. Our business is, in essence, really simple. We create a floor covering fit for purpose. We manufacture in volume and efficiently. We present the product to wholesalers, architects, and end users. Then we sell the product, collect payment, make a profit, and repeat the process. Now, as investors, we can understand what they do. So boring product, simple business, and yet record turnover of 303.6 million and record profit before tax of 52.1 million. And I, I believe record uh, dividend, uh, which I know is something that you like. Um, your share of the profits? Yes, Paul, uh, eight pence per share uh, for the year. But let me take you back to 1977, uh, Queen Elizabeth II Silver Jubilee. Jimmy Carter becomes the 39th president of the United States. Virginia Wade wins Wimbledon. And a young Mark Atkinson leaves St. John's Primary School for Darwin Moreland High School. Now, Ever since 1977, some 47 years uh, ago, in a whole stead of increased their level of dividend every year. Now, when we think of the world events that have occurred over time, Holstead have just kept plowing on unrelenting. Let's just take these last few years. You know, many CEOs uh, don't let a good macro event go to waste, and it gives a good excuse for underperformance. Brexit, COVID, Ukraine, supply problems, inflation. In stark contrast, a Holstead champion, the CPTPP, uh, they say, we welcome the comprehensive and progressive agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, that is the CPTPP, and note that we already trade in 10 of the 11 countries that now have a free trade agreement with the UK. So... We, we don't get enough of that. We generally, it's generally bad news that we, that we hear. And just uh, on um, previous coverage that they've had on this, um, of those 11 countries, the only one that they don't currently deal with is Brunei. And um, they say that it, this, uh, this, this region, this, this trading region, accounts for about 8% of its global revenue, where import tariffs range between 5 to 20%. They said this is good news for the competitiveness of our products in these markets. So uh, a real positive there. And supporting that, that dividend is net cash, which, again, I know that you like. Yes, a very healthy 63.2 million, but perhaps for a company with a turnover of 303.6 million, then this is perhaps a little bit of ex in excess of their needs. So, so you're suggesting that there's scope for increased dividends or, or perhaps a special dividend? Yes, I am. Uh, Holstead have, have been known to make special dividends. I think the last ones were back in 2016 and 2013, so we could be due another. We've touched on this subject when we covered MP Evans, and I think sometimes that that record run of dividend increases creates some pressure on the business. They don't want to break that run, and it, and it can become something of an albatross. Uh, you know, can, can you imagine the CEO and the CFO being the ones under whose stewardship that dividend run came to an end? And there may be the added pressure for the CEO, Mark Halstead, as his father before him was instrumental in that run. So perhaps this is making them overly conservative with that cash. They're, they're factoring in a lot of slack, and by retaining this cash pile, 
and then eking out a modest dividend increase each time. Personally, I think they could be more adventurous. This is another AIM-listed business, uh, and I've heard you say that AIM can be a more risky area to invest in, but this looks like a a long-established, rock-solid business with a pretty bulletproof balance sheet. Yes, on the end, there's a lot of loss-making here-today, gone-tomorrow businesses, but also within AIM, there are nevertheless some high-quality, well-established businesses with a proven track record. Again, like MP Evans, been around a long time, family-involved businesses with net cash and that long dividend record. Right, well, let's turn to that AGM. You sent me a message uh, that you had arrived at the AGM, and I noticed that the share price was up 5%, and I thought uh, I'll send Paul uh, again because he's my lucky talisman. Um, But it may have been down to the statement that was released at 7 a.m. prior to the meeting. And uh, it said, uh, James Holstead PLC, the commercial flooring company, uh, is holding its 108th AGM today at 12 noon. And Mr. Anthony Wilde will make the following statement. Firstly, let me welcome you all to the AGM. Customarily, I give a short update on trading for the first few months of our financial year. Today, we will approve our final dividend of 5.75 pence per ordinary share. Yet another record dividend, which marks the 47th year of increase. In the first five months trading of the current financial year, I can report that whilst our major markets face strong competition, we are seeing improved output and profits, which are materially ahead of the comparatives. We are confident of achieving full-year market expectations of improved bottom line results and exceeding the half-year comparatives, as well as extending our track record of increased dividends. In addition, cash levels are also materially ahead of prior year comparatives for the first five months. I and the board remain positive about the medium-term prospects for the group as a whole. So this is where I turn into Urs Stavros Blofeld, the head of Spectre. I'm in Mercius in my underground lair, stroking my white cat. What have you to report from the, from the James Holstead AGM number three? <laughs> well, it, it was... Um... It was the first AGM that I'd have ever, I've ever been to, so forgive me if my ob- observations are a bit amateurish, but um, I must confess I was surprised at how short it lasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the formalities lasted for exactly 10 minutes. Uh, the chairman gave his speech. Uh, a number of motions were proposed. Everybody agreed. Nobody objected, uh, and nobody asked any questions. So on the whole, I guess that counts as a, as a success. I mean, the directors uh, did say that they'd be available should anyone want to talk with them. Uh, But I kind of thought the idea was that the questions were asked during the formal part of the event so that everybody could hear the questions and and everybody could hear the answers. So I'm not sure that if I was an investor, I would glean any secrets by collaring one of the directors at the bar. Uh, But I guess you'd know uh, better than me about that, Mark. But uh, there were about 80 or so people there, I, I would guess. Uh, many of them seem to know each other, and they all seem pretty happy. So, good result. Yeah, we, 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 we obvious what was going on as a as a, as a layman, Paul, or was it all these arms shooting up in the air, and you wondering what was what was going on? I, I was kind of disappointed there weren't arms shooting up in the air. To be honest with you, I was hoping somebody might have um, might have taken them to task or something. But maybe they were doing that. Well, when they collar the, di- the director at the bar, uh, there was a, one one chap did stand up and actually congratulate them on on achieving. 
um, what they had done under difficult conditions. Yeah. Um, so and they got a kind of a round of applause for that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was probably one of the Holstead family poll. That- it could have been. Yes, I wouldn't have recognised them. Um, but yeah, what that, I said it was all done very very quickly, and then the the chaps, the uh, the waitress, waiters and waitresses started appearing with the trays of drinks, and I, yeah. I, I confess I, I kind of left at that point. So yeah. so obviously really. You know, the investors were obviously very happy, or they were just there for the free food and drink. Yeah, you sure. didn't participate in the buffet, did you not, Paul? I didn't. No, I, I didn't. I, I because in order for me to go and uh, mingle and and do, I'd have to have known what I was talking about, and, I, and obviously I don't. Well, <laughs> so, good. I mean, did anybody recognise you with your Hawaiian shirt on on the parrot on your shoulder? Did nobody say that's him off Desert Island investor? They they didn't. No, no. I, I, I to be honest with you, I didn't wear that. I, I chickened out at the last minute. Yeah. Uh, well, I've only been to one um, Holstead AGM previously, and it, and it really echoes my what I, I found out about it, really. I, I, on the, f- the first time to go to – they all have their own kind of flavour, and um, sometimes it takes you one or two, one or two times to, to, to find out how, how they do it. But there was a lot of Holstead members um, there the last time I went. I want, to, I want to imagine – I think you said a lot of people seemed to know one another, didn't they? Yes, yes, and, they did. Um, this is a, a fourth-generation business, so it's a bit like – I'm just uh, – Last week, I went to a biscuit factory of all, of all places uh, in Marburg, and they make these biscuits out of cassavar, or it's like a kind of tapioca, so made from a root. And it was an interesting little tour, and I got talking to the uh, the proprietor, and that's a fifth generation business. And then he, he, he afterwards they serve uh, he, these biscuits and tea and coffee, and I got a good chat with him. He must have just said thought that he was going to just say hello, but I think I started as I always do. Like, quizzing him about the business and what's your revenue and how many employees have you got. And it's a bit like that um, as you go down the generations, it becomes like a, a, a pyramid in that you've got lots of cousins and uncles and it gets more and more. There'll have been a lot of, I would have thought, family members there within that. So uh, that was one observation. But another thing that I also noticed, the, the previous one that I went to was at the Fusiliers museum in Bury and that was quite entertaining that because it got to look around the the museum as well and uh, it's well worth a tri- trip there they have uh, five five victoria crosses amongst other things uh, this was this was a, was again in bolton wasn't it paul you didn't have to go very far at all no it was at the at the bolton wanderers uh, football ground Right. In one of the suites, there they have a, a lot of executive suites. There, it was very, it was very nice, very yeah. well organised. Um, I said, I don't know what the food was like, but yeah. um, the whole the whole thing was very uh, professionally organised. Yeah. I said they all seem very happy. So I mean, uh, so, can this, so uh, there's either no questions need be, need to be asked. I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll get on to that. But uh, eighty shareholders, that's probably the biggest crowd that Bolt Motors have had for a while, Paul. Oh, um, but um, I, I, the, what happened previously was, again, they said, uh, well, we won't take any questions from the floor, uh, but, we will, but we will mingle with the shareholders. And I personally think that's... That's unsatisfactory, really. I think uh, that's the it, point I was trying yeah. to make. It just—it just seemed to me that I thought the whole idea of this it was open and transparent, and so consequently, yeah. if you had a concern about something horrible that happened in September, then you'd put your hand up and, and raise that point, and then everybody got to hear the answer from the yes. from the board as to to what the reasoning behind it was or what the outcome was. So yes, um, and, and as I was saying, it's it's all very well and good to go and have a chinwag with somebody at, at the bar or. 
but that's that's just for you between you and the person that you managed to you know to bend their ear so um yes i was a bit surprised yeah and there's something about having to to play to a collective audience isn't there and the fact that somebody might be a bit on the shy side but wants to listen to the questions that somebody else has asked and also if if you ask a question paul then that might uh, generate a question that I want to ask, uh, uh, following up on that question. So uh, it's once a year that they that they get quizzed, and I've seen this before, whereby uh, it's very quickly that the chair will say something like, "Well, this is quickly turning into a conversation now. I suggest that we call the official meeting to a conclusion, and we can have a chat over coffee." And then after, when that when you've agreed to that, okay, then we'll have a chat. They can just slip away, Paul. They're, they're not duty bound to, to, to stay around the bar. They can just slip through a side door. And if you say, well, hold on a minute, I wanted to ask you questions. Well, more fool you. You left, let me off the hook. So I think uh, in future, when I, if I ask, do I want to bring the meeting to a conclusion and we'll, and we'll have a polite chat, I, I, would, I think I'll say, no, well, let's, let's, let's keep it, in a, it, it on, on a formal footing. Yeah, there's always some troublemaker in the audience, isn't there? Well, it's not troublemaker. It's not troublemaking, but it's. I think I've. I think I always. I've, I think I've asked some 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 searching questions, but always you know very polite. And let's remember, these people are they're 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 paid top dollar, so they should be able to to, to represent themselves. But um, yeah, I would imagine it for for a lot of the people there, it's probably a bit of a get together. I would have preferred it if there had been a bit of a fight, um, but there wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had. I, had, I thought, what kind of trouble is Paul going to get into? Is he going to start telling people? <laughs> well, I actually like Axminster, me, or uh, else. Uh, I thought, is he going to end up getting voted onto the board or something like? That? Right. Okay. So, um, th- does that pretty much conclude the review? Of, yeah, of, I think so. Of James Halstead. Yeah. Um, and if it, if it does, then thank you very much. I think that's. Uh, and that's good. I hope my contribution was of value of some oh, sort. Oh, very much appreciated, Paul. <laughs> yeah, they'll be, they won't be letting me in again. Um, right. Okay. So uh, we now will uh, be moving on to our, our standard uh, spot in the show, which is the question in a bottle. And just a, a point, this is going to be the last question in a bottle that appears within the context of a review isn't it mark we're, we're changing it slightly. yeah we're, we're we're going due to its popularity it's we're going to hive it out aren't we paul yeah so we're going to yeah. there'll be a separate set set of uh, podcasts so let's see what's in the bottle today and this is a question from declan hughes and declan asks mark do you hold any stock in Next? And if not, uh, is there any reason why not? Right. No, I don't hold um, Next in the portfolio. And I don't think I ever will. But I had to have a look at it because it's actually done very, very well. I think it's got a market capitalization of $10.3 billion. I think it's the leading clothes retailer in the UK. I think it overtook Marks and Spencers about a decade ago. And um, I think it's 44th in the FTSE 100. But the reason is my screening process is that there's vast categories that I didn't even really look under the bonnet of, of next because all I need to know is that it's a retailer. And that's 
I don't hold one other retailer, which is Tesco, which is a food retailer, but a, a clothes retailer. I just think it's, we talk about moat, and I think for something like this, it's very, very vulnerable in that you put a, a cardigan or a suit on a, on a peg, and it's just so simple for somebody else to do the same thing. Um, we talk about moat and USP, and really, there's very, very little that is unique, that's really unique. And the companies that have got what we talk about, this moat, uh, is something that just makes it a little bit more difficult for others. Um, things like we, we covered Unilever and I like Coleman's mustard. There's only one Coleman's mustard, but there's other types of, of mustard. And uh, I just think that with retailers, it's, it's just something that could potentially have somebody come along and, and just just eat their lunch. Uh, we, we've seen a number of retailers disappear, Debenhams, British Home Stores, Woolworths. And whenever they disappear, we always seem to be able to find these products from, from somebody else. And um, also, you've probably seen the way, I, I don't think I've got any kind of feel for this market. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always happiest wearing a T-shirt and something with a, an elasticated waist, be that a, a pair of shorts, or uh, tracksuit bottoms now uh, uh, and fashion's changing we've got uh, we we don't wear as much as much i don't think as a uh upmarket clothing would you say paul have you have you seen that change yourself how many people wear a tie now no not many people wear a tie i must admit yeah yeah uh, we've got things like dress down fridays and it's people are still buying clothes but you've got things like um Primark have come along, haven't you? And um, where people buy this, I forget, I don't even know the phrase for it, Paul. What is it? Disposable fashion, is it? Or what's it called? Uh, I have no idea. I, no, right. I don't, uh, I, not, I have been into Primark, I, I must admit, but I don't know if, is that a brand that they do? Or is it, or is it just like a type of genre of clothing? Disposable? No, I think it's, this, it's cheap clothing that you can wear it a couple of times and throw it away. That's the kind of Oh, con. I see, right. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's, isn't that, yeah, it's pretty much anything that women buy, isn't it? Right. <laughs> okay. A, right, we've just lost half the audience now, Paul. Well done there, real thought, <laughs> Pa. It is a big problem, apparently, uh, clothing waste. It, it is, uh, people do throw stuff away that's perfectly good because fashions do change and people just don't want to be seen wearing something that, you know, um, that's like a bit out of fashion, do they? Like your elasticated uh, tracksuit bottoms, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you know I, I don't have to be in that kind of environment with this a set dress code now, Paul, thankfully. So, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, that, I, when I look at, I, I don't, there's lots and lots of companies out there and, and very quickly I could dispense all I need to know is, well, what do they do? Well, they, they're, they're clothes retailer. Bang. I don't even have to look any further. Now, they've done very, very well, but it's, it's just not one for me. It's just not something where I think I could I'd have any kind of feel for, are they losing their grip here? Are they losing their market? Are people not going into next? And, you know, as I've said before, shopping is really something that I don't, I don't want to do. So I've got no kind of... Uh, I'm not going to fashion sense for <laughs> feel for for fashion at all, and I just think that retail is just so easy for somebody to replicate. It's very very easy for somebody just to to do exactly the same thing. They don't even have to own the store; they can just rent it and be up and running very very quickly and start selling sweaters cheaper than the other people. Okay, right. so not going to happen for you then? No, Declan. Um, I hope that answers your question. 
Anyway, before we go, Paul, uh, I, before we go, this is the last podcast of, of 2023. And I'd just like to say a few thank yous, if I, if I may. By all means do, yeah. So from the top, I'd like to thank our two podcasterways that we've had, Jeremy McEwen and Tom Entwistle. Uh, and I'd like to thank them for the support, not just by being guests on the podcast, but they've both been very, very supportive throughout the year. And also to the people at Progressive Equity Research, who uh, we teamed up with halfway through the year, namely Rebecca Carr, Catherine Amos uh, uh, and, and Gareth Evans. And I'd, I'd just like to thank everybody for the questions they've, they've submitted and their comments. And I have to say that we, over the course of the year, we've not had a single what you would call troll. It's easy for people to to hide behind an alias and, and protect you with distance, but we've not had any. We've had people that disagree with us, say, "Well, I don't agree with that stock or what have you," but nobody has been rude. Or I mean, we're big and, and ugly enough to to, to cope with it, but it, it, preferably if, if if people aren't like that. So that's that's been that's been really 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 good. And I'd just like to again anybody who's left a, a like, who's just listened to the podcast because. It'd be pretty boring if um, if we were just doing this and there wasn't actually anybody out there. Uh, our audience is a little bit like MI5. We know they're out there, but we don't know exactly who they are. But um, th there is one person in particular I would like to thank, and um, and that's you, Paul, for all the help that that, that you very much that you've that you've given. I I came to have the, uh, I was encouraged to do this at, at the beginning of the year and I came to you with the the kernel of an idea. Uh, I was just after some kind of thoughts from you really. Uh, I was thinking about doing this a, a, as a monologue. It didn't really work. And um, you said to me, well I don't mind being the the feed for you on this and you've been that you've been much more than that and uh, uh, you've put a lot of hard work in and even though it's the desert Al investor and you've put my face up there it is it is a partnership and um i, I couldn't do it without you so uh thanks for everything that you've that you do and continue to do and i like to think we've, we've had some fun as well doing this uh we've known each other a long time and i think we've we've had a little bit of uh, leg pulling uh i don't know if it's what you would expect it to be paul when you first uh, autograph hunters uh, uh, fan mail, paparazzi waiting for you outside restaurants. Yeah, the usual, the usual thing. I mean, like uh, there's the ABC News are on the lawn again yeah, today. Yeah. Um, you, can't you, have, to you, you having to pass that young lady friend off as your research assistant. You know, it's been. I can imagine it's been. <laughs> yeah. It's been quite quite difficult uh, for you. But um, I would just like to say that when you, it was one particular week when you, I think, you're on the other side of the island, shimmying up a, a banana tree, uh, getting my breakfast, uh, something washed a ashore and uh, i thought well, well i'll have i thought it was a question in a bottle i thought i'll have that i'll have this in a deep moment i thought no let's do it right let's let's let, I'll, I'll let paul have this so if you just reach behind that um that tree trunk that you're that you're that you're sat on paul um you might just find something <laughs> oh right look at this well that's it's wrapped up in an old financial times it, 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 yes, it is. Yeah, um, is it a brick or something? No, um, no. Well, so, so uh, should I should I open it now? Or have I got yeah, please, if you want. There's a letter in there as well, which I, that's just for you privately. I don't want it to be too gushy. Oh, this is very interesting. Ooh, yeah, there appears to be some kind of uh, alcohol in here. <laughs> 
Oh, right. Thank you very much, Mark. It is a uh, it is a bottle of Broker's Gin. Uh, genuine London dry gin. Thank you very much. That's, uh, I thought you'd enjoy that, Paul. It's a, I will I indeed. Even, <laughs> we're not sponsored by brokers, but just feel like people know it's got a picture <laughs> of a stockbroker on the front with a wearing a bowler hat and he's got an umbrella and, and uh, uh, is he carrying a briefcase as well or a I think he's carrying a copy of a uh, rolled up copy of the of the FT um but the bottle's got a little bowler hat on the top of, as the as the cap which is uh, which is very nice that's uh, that's that's fantastic I shall enjoy I wouldn't think that stockbrokers look like that now dressed like that Paul anyway but I uh, very much doubt it no they probably they probably uh, they probably don't but uh, that's very kind of you Mark thank you very much for that Okay, so go on then. Where's mine? Oh, uh, yes. Right. Well, there's an issue. Uh, okay, Paul. Okay. It's, uh, um, yeah, well, anyway, it's New Year's coming up, so maybe I'll get something yeah. for that. So what? What? So as, as, as we sign off now, I think what we would say is we're not going to say festive greetings, winter holidays, season's greetings. I think what we're going to say to people is have a Merry Christmas and a happy and prosperous uh, New Year. And uh, as Dave Allen used to say, may your God go with you. (laughs) Yes, Merry Christmas. Well, that's all for this episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. Please remember the content is for information only and it is not financial advice. If you would like to pop a question into a bottle for Mark, just post your question in the comments and hopefully it'll reach the island in time for the next episode. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.